This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Away. Away makes first-class luggage at coach prices that allow you to charge your phone on the go. For $20 off a suitcase, go to awaytravel.com fool and use the promo code fool. That's awaytravel.com fool and use the promo code fool. It's Thursday, August 23rd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, Matt Argusinger in the house on this historic day. Historic. It is a historic day. <laughs> Because, and we'll get to Alibaba's report. Don't worry, we're going to get to Alibaba's report. <laughs> but uh, as folks may have seen, the close of the market yesterday, I didn't want to say anything on yesterday's show because we taped before the end of the show. I didn't want to jinx anything. But the close of the market yesterday marked the bull market that we're in right now being the longest run of any bull market. In U.S. history, three thousand four hundred fifty-three days. Wow! Feels like we should have cake. We should. I mean, it's nine and a half years. It's uh, it's been it's been quite a run, and you know the definition here, of course, is the stock market has gone this many days without a twenty percent fall. There's a slight caveat in that in 2011 we almost had a 20% fall. We just didn't quite get there, so that it didn't count. When we were like one half of one percent away, it we was, were really close. Yeah, it was close. And 2011 was was a rough year for the market in general. But we didn't we didn't have a 20% fall. I don't want to use the word correction. Ever since David Gardner said we can't use the word correction, and I totally agree with him. Yeah. By the way, because it just what does that mean? A correction? A, yeah. A fall? And, it doesn't. And David's why just, is it correcting to something? Is it correcting something better because it falls? It. And David's just asking a question. Wait, why is that correct? Why is a <laughs> right. why is the market falling correct? That doesn't feel like it's right when two out of three years the market goes up. That's right. And so I've I've tried to remove that word when I talk about the stock market. So twenty percent fall. Uh, so we haven't had one since uh, you know since the bull market started in early two thousand nine. Uh, and this is according to data from uh, Ty Kim of CNBC. So in this run, the S and I guess this is as of uh, maybe as of Tuesday, but the S and P five hundred is up three hundred and twenty percent. Um, now it's the longest bull market, but that gain is only the third biggest gain in modern financial history. If you have to go back to the '90s bull market, which was basically 1990 to early 2000, the S&P 500 during that era climbed more than 400 percent. So hey, we still have we still have some more run to go before we before we hit that mark. Um, but I'll just say this too. I mean, I, and I don't know if you feel the same way, Chris, but this this bull market it's historic, but it feels like the most unloved bull market, <laughs> and you know that I've certainly experienced in my relatively short, you know, uh, investing career. But I don't know if it feels the same way to you. It but. does, in the sense that, um, well, I'll say a couple of things to that point. As someone who consumes financial media every day of the week, it does seem unloved in the sense that um, there really isn't there really isn't the enthusiasm, and maybe it's maybe it's. Partly due to the fact that we have significantly more media, and I'm referring to social media now, than we had back in the 1990s. So maybe the pessimism, the drumbeat of this is all going to end badly, which continues, um, maybe there are just more outlets for that type of thing. But it really does seem like, uh, to your point of, and I love the word unloved, um, there just seem like there are so many caveats. Yes, I'm mispronouncing caveats um, that come along with this bull market. It's like, well, yes, but 
the Fed has this policy of free money forever. So it's it's almost like there are people making excuses. It's like, well, yes, but. But the economy's kind of muddled along and hasn't really caught up, and wages haven't really risen, and you know, it, there's yeah, there's a lot of sort of and all of that and buts and yeah. yeah, and all of that ignores the fact that if you're an investor, if you have been focused on the long term, and you have managed to tamp down the panic that hits every investor at various points, then you've been rewarded for that. That's right. That's right. And the the, the unfortunate thing is that. A lot, and the evidence shows a lot of investors. Well, a lot of people just haven't been invested in this stock market. It's really been, and it's probably because 2008, that that bear market, that that economic downturn was so vicious and historic in its own right. It took many years for people to get comfortable with getting back in the stock market. Uh, and in fact, if you look at data from the Investment Company Institute, which tracks flows into equity funds, including ETFs. Investors have actually, believe it or not, if you adjust for the returns of the stock market, we know the stock market's quadrupled since early 2009. If you adjust for that, investors have actually pulled money out of the stock market over this period, over this nine and a half year period, which is which is startling to me because it's just been. And maybe there's reasons for that. Maybe it's because the baby boomers are retiring, and maybe they're net sell. A lot of them are net sellers of stocks these days. But it's still startling to me that we can have such a great bull market, a historic one, yet most people. Less people have participated in it, probably than ever. Well, and of course now you've got the, again going back to the drumbeat. You've got people who are hearing prognosticators saying, "Well, don't invest now. <laughs> not when not when we're at the longest." Run. It's like no. If you if you have the time horizon, if you have the means, and you have the outlook of I'm investing for 10, 20, 30 years, then any time is a good time yeah. to jump in. I mean, and today you know you look at earnings growth, you look at business fundamentals, balance sheets. The tax reform, which is still kind of making its way through the economy, there aren't a lot of negative reasons out there that suggest you know a, a oh that was about to, I was about to use the word correction, but a <laughs> downturn in the stock market anytime soon. Here's the only data point I will add, which is that this bull market started on March 9, thousand nine. Motley Fool Money debuted on February twentieth, two thousand nine. So I'm just saying, Motley Fool Money. Started just a couple weeks before. I'm, is it the reason we've had this bull market? Uh-huh. Who's to say? It's not for me to say. I'll just put the data out there. Well, I'll say this though: we better keep this machine running then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We can't stop now. Uh, let's get to Alibaba. First quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected. The maybe not surprisingly, the cloud division is growing nicely and quickly. It does seem like they've got a little bit of margin pressure going on at Alibaba. They do. This is. I feel like this is becoming a, a pretty well thread story in the sense that you have a big company, big platform, spending a lot to grow user base, grow market share, grow into new markets like cloud computing for Alibaba, and of course, it's it costs a lot of money to do that. So there's pressure on the profit margin. I mean, if you look at, for example, uh, sales at Alibaba's core, the core e-commerce business of the company, up 61 percent year over year, and that's actually. Up from 58% growth last year, so they're accelerating that growth. But then you look at operating profits. Operating profits were up only about nine percent. Um, so, you know, it's it's tepid there on the earnings front. But I look at this company and I just feel, you know, as big as they are, as big as Alibaba is, and I feel like we've said this before, but it's still remarkable to me that this is a company that had. In the June quarter, they had 634 million monthly active users. That's up more than 105 million users from a year ago. I mean, I know that China has a lot of people, 
But 634 million. I mean, so essentially, is that half? The, I feel like that's roughly half the pop, half the size of the country. Now I know they're they're in other places besides China. So there's there's probably that. But that's a tremendous amount of users uh, and that and, and 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 growing at the rate it is at this stage in the company's maturity. So, so, when you look at Alibaba and how big it is, and yes, the market opportunity is, of course, enormous, but then you look at JD.com, which is a company that I know you follow. Yes. JD.com is, what, one-tenth the market cap of Alibaba? Something like that? Roughly it, right, yeah. Yeah. So, I'm wondering if... I'm wondering if, for people who are looking at this opportunity and saying, okay, I want to get in on this, is one better than the other? Is it? Do you take the, the little bit of the basket approach, where it's like, why choose between Home Depot and Lowe's? Buy a little bit of both. Well, you know, I've I've been riding the JD.com train, uh, and that's because I I like the model. I like the sort of controlling your inventory, controlling your own distribution. Uh, you know, um, really trying to create a good customer experience, not relying as much as Alibaba Alibaba does on on third party sellers on your platform, where, where there's fraud, where there's shipping issues, things like that. But I have to say, operationally, Alibaba has been the better executor, and I think it's because you know they have a bigger network, they have a bigger start in a lot of areas that JD.com is just kind of catching up on into. So you know, and I look at Alibaba, which like JD is down 25 percent from its high. I'm starting to look at Alibaba and say, you know, there's probably a good opportunity here with something so big, so dominant, growing so fast. All right, before we dip into the full mailbag, quick shout out to Away. Away makes affordable, high quality suitcases that charge your phone. So, by cutting out the middleman, Away is, offer, is able to offer the perfect luggage made with high quality materials at a much lower price. It comes in five different sizes with over 10 colors, and it comes with a lifetime warranty. So, if anything breaks, Away will fix or replace it for life. And they've got a risk free. 100-day trial period. So, if at any point you decide it's not for you, you can return it for a full refund, no questions asked. Although, having used the Away luggage, because they sent a few bags to us here at The Motley Fool, and I got a chance to use one of the... I'll tell you right now, you're not going to need the 100 days. <laughs> I would be stunned if they had any meaningful number of people who were returning this luggage. That's how good it is. And Away has a special offer for our dozens of listeners. For $20 off a suitcase, just go to awaytravel.com slash fool and use the promo code fool at checkout. That's awaytravel.com slash fool. Use the promo code fool. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Question from Anthony, who asks Can you explain aftermarket trading? I have a basic understanding, but don't know if there are any pros or cons. I know you hear this all the time, but I really look forward to your show. Thank you for that. We don't hear it all the time. So that's it's always hey, nice when we yeah. do hear it. Um, aftermarket trading? Well, yeah, you know, Anthony, I would have to say when it comes to aftermarket trading, uh, I see a lot more cons than pros. And so, if you know, if it's something you haven't gotten into, good, don't worry about it. But uh, we hear this all the time. You know, a company reports earnings. Here's what it's doing in aftermarket hours. You know, and the stock's moving, in, and you can see volume. And so you're saying, well, wait a sec. So the stock is actually traded after hours, after the market closes, and that that's true. And and in fact, most large brokerages, even brokerages that you and I use. Maybe interactive brokers, TD Ameritrade, E-Trade, they allow, uh, they enable investors to buy and sell stocks after hours. Uh, sometimes it depends. Sometimes on the timings. Sometimes, like I think E-Trade, for example, allows you to trade from four four to eight p.m. It varies depending on the broker. But in most cases, uh, the broker is going to charge additional fees 
um, sometimes double the commission that they would normally charge during normal trading hours to trade after hours. But I think the biggest risk, Anthony, is liquidity. Um, there's just not a lot of volume in after-hour trading. So if you're thinking to yourself, "Hey, you know, the stock that I like, report earnings, it's it's going higher. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy because I think you know when it opens tomorrow morning, it's gonna it's it's gonna be even higher." Um, you gotta watch out. You might there's a there's gonna be a huge bid ask spread there. You might end up overpaying for something, and then when it opens the next day, when, with you know in regular trading hours, the price might look a lot different than what you got, you know, at 4:30 p.m. the evening before. So I think it's just something you, you gotta be careful for. Not to mention the fact that, uh, and and maybe maybe I'm just seeing the exception, not the rule, but it really seems like every earnings season, we've got companies coming out. We see the stock either rise or fall five to ten percent, and then when it actually opens the next day, it's the reverse, yes. and it's because of something that happened on the conference call. That's right, and so I, and so it's just one of those games. I think you should you should really just stay away from. You never know what's going to happen, and yes, yeah, someone something someone says something on the conference call later in the evening, or maybe there an analyst comes out the next morning and upgrades or downgrades the stock, and. It opens completely different than what you expected. You can end up holding the bag, as they say. Matty Argersinger, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.